Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Walking around like a tactical Timmy and you've got the, you know, the operator cap on with a big three percenter patch on the front and 511 BDUs and Merrill boots and, you know, you've got you know, all this stuff hanging off of you, then you're a target. Can you carry your stuff and can you fight? And if you can't, can you get that sucker off your back fast enough to fight? You better be able to get that stuff off of you. Hey everybody, welcome to the Survival Show podcast with Craig and me, David, where it's our job to take you step-by-step through the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear you need to survive almost any crisis, emergency, or disaster, and show you how to use the lessons you learned today to thrive in your life tomorrow. Mr. Craig Cottle, what is up? What up, dog? What's up? (laughs) How's the, how's the weather down there in Kentucky? You're down there in the south. You're in the deep south, man. It's probably sunny and 75 degrees. It's not far from it. Not really? as far from that, but it's probably 50 degrees today and no snow. So we went out and picked mushrooms today because some of the mushrooms are popping out, some of the oyster mushrooms. Did you really? So I was very pleased about that. Are you kidding me, son? It's always about foraging for food. Craig Cottle, come on. Nice. How are you doing? What's up with you? What's what's going on? Dude, I am, by the time our listeners hear this, I am at SHOT Show 2020. And was it two years ago? Two years ago you were there and with, with Mr. Tim and myself. So you know all about SHOT Show. While I'm here, I'm going to be doing some cool stuff. We'll do some, I'm going to gather some people that I wouldn't normally have access to. And we're going to do some, probably some podcasts that will that we'll have over here some panel discussions maybe some other stuff so i'm pretty stoked shot shows a good time and it's a good time to connect with old friends and make new friends and keep up with what's going on in the firearms and outdoor industries yeah man so that's that's what i'm up to sweet yeah it's always a good time out there so what are we going to do here in this podcast today brother Guys and gals, our mission here is to help you progressively increase your survival IQ so you leave out of here better prepared at the end of the show than you were at the beginning, which is right now. We are continuing our series on carry gear, and we are now on what we call Tier 3, what I call Tier 3, which is sustainment carry. This is a consideration for a stay of unknown length. So basically what we're looking at here, you all, is... Uh, something has happened and I, and I just broke down a couple examples. You can probably come up with your own, but you go on vacation and disaster strikes like you're, you're, you go to the coast and you get hung up and have to stay there for, um, issues surrounding a hurricane. You're you're not going to be able to get out for who knows how long, or maybe you go on a business trip and something's happening and all the airports are shut down. You're not going to be able to fly back home or some of that nature. So you're going to have to stay. So what I'm referring to here is a is a kit, a sustainment carry that you can take with you and have in mind 
for those types of events of unknown length. I think about it all the time. Every time I go to an airport, I think about it because you see these people that are traveling and you can tell they've worked really hard to get everything that they want to take with them on one little tiny carry on bag. And man, if something happens to them, something happens and, and travel goes down, airplanes, and I'm not saying the plane they're on, I'm just saying, hey, something happens like 9-11, for example, and now there's no flights in or out of any airport and you've got to hang out with what you've got in your carry-on? I don't know, man. I just, I don't know. So anyway, we're going to be talking about a lot of things along that, those lines of sustainment carry. Some of these things would be would be illegal to carry on to a uh, airplane. So obviously we're not talking about those things and trying to sneak anything on. We're all about being legal whenever we need to be. So yeah, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, and there's some tips and hacks. And I actually, Craig, I don't know if you have a podcast or a, a video like this, but a couple of years ago, I think I had just gotten home from Shot Joe, and I was like, "Man, I really need to shoot a video of what my my carry on is for airplane travel." So there is a there's a full video of the kit kit that I carried over on Ultimate Survival Tips YouTube. But we'll we'll share a bunch of stuff here because it's it's like I'm there right now. Right. So <laughs> right, I sure. am, uh, I am vicariously in the future, but now, since you're listening now, uh, I have arrived in Las Vegas and I could not drive here. So I was limited in what I can carry. And I, I agree with you. I max out. I mean, we've got to carry camera equipment and everything too, but pretty much I, I could be okay in an airport if I had to sleep in there with what I, with what I'm able to carry on legally legally so there's there's a lot you can do to ensure your personal safety and a reasonable amount of comfort when you travel and we'll get into all of that next craig do we have any sponsors today sportsman's guide i'm sitting here blasting through their webpage right now i always like going to sportsmansguide.com and they've always got something cool you can click on up the top so i clicked on their winter clearance and just see what they got going on and they got a little bit of everything. But one that jumped out at me because I was looking at these for myself. Where is it now? Let me find it. They got a gas generator here, 5,500 watt, typically $700, now 428 because they've got too many of these daggone things in the warehouse kind of stuff. I love these kind of deals, man. Where they're like, dude, we got to get rid of that stuff. They got everything from batteries to generators to flashlights and house shoes and all kinds of cool stuff here that I'm looking at. So go to sportsmansguide.com, check it out, click on the button at winter clearance. And this sale's going on for, looks like it's going to be up for most of January. So there you go, man. All kinds of cool stuff. Check it out. Nice. So you're ready to get into tier three sustainment carry. All right, let's do this. All right, boys and girls. So if you did not listen to the last podcast, then it'll probably do you well to go back and listen to it because we built a foundation there of how we go about through or how we go about through going through these items that we carry. Some of these things we may carry on our person. Some of these we may carry in a pack. Some of these we're carrying in a truck. And so this is one of those situations where there's some items here that will be 
most likely carrying around in a vehicle when and where you can. And then it's an, uh, a most serious, oh crap, has hit the fan sort of thing. We got to grab the big bag or some variation of it. A good friend of mine, he's military uh, ex-special forces. Um, he was doing some traveling over the holidays and he actually laid out, He this is this dude is my gear guru. He laid out everything that he carries in his, let's get back to, back home and we've got a walk back home, you know, several hundred miles kit. And, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty extensive. A lot of what I do and the way I pack and train and share information comes from those kind of guys. Cause these are guys that actually have done it a lot. The first one that we'd like to get into is personal safety. Uh, from personal safety standpoint, what we want to do is be able to take care of ourselves. So, so we can take care of our health as well as we can keep ourselves protected from aggressors. Uh, one of the things that I always like to have in my vehicle is some sort of camouflage. Now, one way that I accomplish this and accomplish two goals is I carry frog togs, camouflage, um, rain jacket, and pants in my truck. That way, if I need camouflage because I need to go on a hunting or I just want to hide from aggressors in a rural environment, then I've got that. The other thing to keep in mind is in an urban environment, you need to blend with those that are around you. And so if you're walking around like a tactical Timmy and you've got the, you know, the operator cap on with a big three percenter patch on the front and 511 BDUs and Merrill boots, and, you know, you've got you know, all this stuff hanging off of you, then you're a target. So you want to be able to blend in better than, than that. So you want to be able to blend in with those around Except- you. Except, Craig, what? when you're at SHOT Show this week. Oh, Lord, man. <laughs> Dude, like, seriously, Las Vegas is, like, the safest place you could be this week. It's crazy. I, I'd be willing to bet money the dudes that are the high-speed guys that are in the room, they'll be, they'll, be, they'll be wearing jeans or something. You'll never know it. They're going to look like some dweeb over on the side. And when stuff gets real, they're the guys that are going to be out front. Anyway, yeah. And uh, they're not going to be walking around looking like some tactical Timmy either. And I know this, another thing for personal safety, it sounds like a little bit over the top, but one of the things I do keep in my truck is smoke grenades. And I'm not talking about military grade smoke grenades. I'm talking about paintball. And so if you need to mark a location for somebody to help find you, or you even need to create a diversion so you can get away, then, then those are available too. Um, obviously uh, we've talked about. I just wrote that down, dude. I just, I literally just wrote that down. Yeah, I can hear you typing, dude. So um, it's good stuff, isn't it? Hang around, David. There's stuff to learn from me. Mm-hmm. I'm listening, man. <laughs> Keep right. going. All I'm right. All so ears. the next one <laughs> that we've talked about several times about personal safety as far as uh, a firearm or something of that nature and your pistol that you carry with you on the time, all the time for those that do. And, uh, you know, I've had several good tactics instructors say, hey, a pistol is there to help you fight back to your rifle. And that's, that's what it's there for. It's not there for, to go to war with, it's there to fight back to your rifle. And so if you're inclined and you have the ability to safely carry a rifle, then you can carry a rifle with you as well in your vehicle, that is, and have that available to you. So, yeah. What are your thoughts there on personal safety there, David? Personal safety. So it's, it's a little bit trickier when you fly, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, there's so much of this stuff that you would not be able to carry when you, you're not going to be able to carry smoke grenades when you're. Yeah, 
on an airplane. That's yeah, personal sure. safety. L- let me uh, let me share a couple of since since I'm going through this right now. Personal safety. Now I, I would consider this like disease, even biohazards. So I have this little this little kit that fits in. I'm going to say it's maybe half of a quart bag in there. I have swimming goggles. <laughs> I have a uh, I have a one of these heavy duty. I don't know what the number is on this this mask. This is a 3M rated N100 mask in case there's an outbreak because you know you're flying right. And CDC and a lot of other places say that if there is some sort of an outbreak. You know, it, it people may be flying with people who they don't know has whatever they have. So this is every everyday carry. This will get through TSA. I also have um, a first aid kit and some uh, uh, rubber gloves that I carry in this kit also. So personal safety there. Uh, tactical tactical flashlight. A and you know the ability to to have some some tactics to use it. I also carry Craig. I don't know if I should say this. I'm I'm going to say it anyway. So we've got the tiny survival knife sharpener that will get through TSA, and I have this really nice. I think I specifically got this. It's the lever survival card. Now this isn't something that you and I or, or we put together in any way. But I believe they made this out of uh, a stainless steel that's sometimes used in in knives. This is one of those cards that's got like uh, fifty different functions, and it's got a screwdriver on it, and it's got you know measuring device and all that sort of stuff. Um, this in a pinch, I've got a couple of these. This is not my sharpened one. If you did need a knife, um, you could sharpen this. If you have a sharpener. So sharpeners fly. Cards like this fly just as a last ditch thing. So that's mostly what I'm thinking about. I also want to mention to people that the tiny survival guide is not a bad thing to have with you. And um, personal safety, it's not, not a bad idea to have a, a uh, whistle that you can uh, just mark your location or get help if you need it. Also in the tiny survival guide, we've we've got a little section in here on on self defense, and Craig put together a couple of videos. There's a QR code there, and there's a there's a Bitly link there. There's two videos there that I think would be very valuable, getting you uh, going down the road of understanding the the five weapons that you always have on you, regardless of whether you're carrying any tools or not. Moving on to thermal regulation, some of the things that I carry as far as helping me to maintain my core body temp is dependent upon the weather. Let's look at cold weather first. Wool or fleece because they still insulate when they're wet. Fleece is better um, than, well, wool is better than fleece, and then there's some insulators that are better than wool. Wool is not the end-all to beat-all like some folks have you to believe. I'm a big fan of, for this kind of kit, again, this is not something I'm going to carry in my pocket, a packable sleeping bag that goes together up, small and a Gore-Tex bivy. Um, I'm a huge fan of the military Gore-Tex bivvies. Those things are awesome. Uh, I utilized one this past weekend and it worked exceptionally well, just the way I wanted it to work. 
and then if you do continue to have room, then a liner bivy that reflects heat. Uh, I personally carry the SOL, Survive Outdoors Longer, uh, reflective bivy, and it works exceptionally well. I've been utilizing it for years and years. I'm really hard on it. It's got a lot of tears and stuff in it because I've had it for several years, but but uh, it's one of those things that I keep using, and it, it, it keeps working, so I keep using it. Um, beyond that, we don't talk about hot weather enough, and one of the things that is beneficial is something to shield you from the sun. Obviously, sunscreen is an obvious choice, but cotton clothes that hold moisture because when you sweat, it holds that moisture on you longer, helps you to stay cool. And, you know, I mentioned it in tier two, but it's worthy of mentioning here again, some sort of bandana to shield you from the sun for your head. Uh, one of the stories in my first book was about a, a dad and a son that went on a little hike in a d- desert area and ended up dying from exposure. And, the thing that got them started, they actually wrote some, found a note the gentleman wrote is that he just got so hot and sat down and he got sunburned and he got miserable and then they don't really know what happened. But um, something that could keep you out of the sun is going to be helpful. That's good, man. Now, I may have mistaken you in, a, in my last uh, sharing of gear, but are we covering like travel gear that would be non-vehicle, like if you're flying to? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Cool. It's just, it's just, yeah, yeah, it's just kind of where my head's at right now. But to add on to what you, what you were saying, those military, I, I do have a question about the military uh, bivy that you're talking about. Is that the big, is that the big one? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a great system. It's a, it's like a three tier system all in itself, isn't it? Yeah. That's the military sleep system. Okay. Yeah. The outermost portion of that is the bivy, yep. the Gore-Tex bivy. And I'm not talking about in this setup, taking the sleeping bags. I'm talking about just the waterproof um, barrier that keep the, keep moisture off of you. Good. Yep. And then you're talking yeah. about the SOL, the uh, heavy duty, a uh, reflective bivy then on the inside of that, right? Yeah. I had three guys utilizing that in class this weekend, 29 degrees, snow and rain. And they came out of class smiling, thinking, man, that, that, that was a good choice. And, uh, I tell you here, and just to give you an idea how I challenged myself. So, uh, I told the guys they could bring 25 pounds or less and they all came in under, which was fantastic, way under most of them. And then I laid everything out that I would take on a 25 pound, uh, trip or less and said, Hey, here's your strange and wonderful. I call them strange and wonderfuls. You all can pick anything else out of this pile and take it with you. And there were nine students in class, each one of them picked something. And then I told them I'm going to survive the rest of the weekend with what's left. And that way, unknowingly, they gave me an opportunity to challenge myself. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And, uh, you got to find the, if, for those that are listening, you're pretty advanced and you're really good at what you do. And, and stuff of that nature, you've got to figure out ways to challenge yourself. So going into this class, I didn't spend weeks upon weeks and hours upon hours planning what I was going to carry. I basically had about 15 minutes to take what was left over, make a kit out of it, and then spend the weekend out of it. And so that was a good challenge for me. And uh, I, I learned some things about myself and, and what kind of things that I should have had with me. But uh, but yeah, it's a good good way of challenging yourself. Yeah, we talked last time about a, 
a uh, contractor trash bag and a military poncho would maybe be another th- another thing as a backup now this is this i don't know if you've tried any of these yet craig but the seek outside uh hot teepee tents have you have you had the chance to use one of those yet i have not used one personally i've seen one of those in class before though okay okay i've got one i don't know what yeah i don't know what the experience of the folks that that had it in class were but i have the i believe it's the red cliff i think it's up to six people really fits two or three comfortably if you've got your wood stove in there and uh these aren't cheap but they are pretty lightweight the tp itself i've got in a compression a sea to summit compression sack it's it's really not much bigger than a sleeping pad when it's all compressed down and it's about eight or nine pounds and then in a in a just a nylon pack that's it's this little zip bag with a handle that's 10 by i'm gonna say yeah i'm gonna say 10 by 15 inches there's a titanium stove that weighs about two and a half pounds and that includes the stovepipe that works with this particular teepee tent. I did, I did use this. Uh, you know, Mark, my buddy Mark. We went out uh, one cold winter, one cold winter day, and did an overnight in the teepee tent. And they are fantastic. And the coolest thing is, you're only at about twelve pounds and not a whole lot of volume for a winter-ready hot tent with a small titanium stove that once you get that thing going, it'll get you two or three hours and you just, you lay so you're in a position so you can just uh, grab some wood pieces that you've already got split up and you can feed this thing. So if you've, if, even if you didn't have a great sleeping system, you would be pretty okay if you kept this TB tent going through a very, very cold winter night. So that's that's really one of my, uh, you know, kind of if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go big, in in a bug out or a or a, a sustainable system like you're talking about here, it's not a bad thing to look at. They're just they're just not cheap. They're they're not cheap, but they're worth it. I mean, when I say not cheap, we're talking six, seven, eight, nine hundred, a thousand bucks by the time you're done with the system, especially if you get the uh, carbon fiber poles. Yeah, the Red Cliff. Yeah, man. $729. I'm looking at their website right now. That's pretty cool. Those look awesome, dude. It's like another, it's the titanium stoves. Basically, the way it works is it's like a little wood stove when it all goes together, but, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it comes apart. It it comes comes apart and folds down flat to about five inches by five by ten by fifteen inch uh, pouch, and then you put it all together on site. The uh, the stovepipe just rolls up, and then it it goes together with some some clips to keep it together. It's hmm. it's slick, yeah. But when by the time you're all done, you're over a thousand bucks. I'm just going to put it that way, right? Depending on what you get, right? Yeah. Cool. Cool, man. But I agree with you with everything that you said here, Craig. Good okay. for thermal Let's, regulation. 
Yeah. Let's dig into some uh, hydration because, again, we covered clothing in that one podcast in depth and we discussed it briefly in the last one for tier two. But if we're moving into hydration, another thing that I keep in my vehicle is several gallons of water. I've got at least four or five gallons of water in my truck at all times. And uh, I have a some sort of device that's going to allow me to pump water. And rather than something like a Sawyer Mini or a Rapid Pure or something like that, which is an individual, I want something that's going to be able to get me gallons of water rather quickly rather than something that I can only use individually. It was good to see some of the guys this weekend. I, I know I keep bringing it up because it was just it's just three days out from class, but there were guys that had used a Sawyer but not had used it for a whole weekend. Like that's the only way they're mm-hmm. going to get water. And they're right. like, man, this sucks. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, does. Takes, it does. It's, it takes a while, you know, when you're yeah. doing several gallons of water over a weekend. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's, uh, I and like it's it cold and you got to squeeze that thing and your water gets in the, in the icy cold stream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, do, can I just ask what, what you prefer as far as a, a brand or a, or a style of, of a pump filter? I can't remember the name of it, David. You mentioned in that last podcast, the, the one that's a purifier. Cause I got oh, it. Oh yeah. I yeah. Okay. Yeah. It in class. Yeah. The same one. The, what's the name of that thing? Yeah, so we're talking about the General Ecology First Need XL water purifier. So it's one of these units that, yeah, it's it's a high capacity. I think you can pump, Craig, one to one and a half liters per minute. So it's it you can service a a pretty decent sized crew. I mean, we've used it with with five gallon buckets, and it it doesn't take anything really if you have one or two people to share the load. And the the interesting thing with it is it's a canister based thing. So if you're going to be potentially not going home for a while, grab yourself an extra one of the canister filters, and they're just disposable. Uh, when they've when they've reached their limit, they teach you how to to make sure that it's still doing what it's supposed to do. But it's ceramic and carbon and high tech stuff. Uh, they've been used by missionaries and stuff for for years and they they still perform exceptionally well and craig I, people may not know we've we've addressed this before but folks listening right now may not know the difference between a filtration unit and a purifier do you feel comfortable uh, sharing the difference right there for them yeah sure uh, filtration is going to get sedimentation and bacterial components out and a purifier is going to actually help you to purify the water from viral contamination as well. And the viral contamination is uh, not typically a problem for us in the United States, although it is becoming more of a problem along our southern border. And again, every time I say that, I try to point out I'm not playing politics. I'm just telling you facts. And if you don't like that, then deal with it. But we're having significant viral contamination of our water sources in Texas uh, and that, and the area that that is happening in is growing larger and larger by the day out from our southern border, and where um, so that that's a problem that that can continue to grow if we allow it to continue to fester and grow and not do something about it. So uh, your typical back in the middle of the woods mountain streams not going to have viral contamination in it. 
but it could very easily have bacterial contamination in it. Even if it's clear mountain stream coming out from a rock and there's no way anything has gotten into the water, it could still have bacterial contaminants in it. So it's, it's wise to use some sort of filtration at the very least in viral purification when, when possible. That's really good. Another option. And actually this, I don't know with yours, if, if you got the uh, little, I don't know what it is. It's like a one gallon sack that it all comes in that can convert this uh, pump filter into a gravity filtration system. And the bonus there of that is you can, can keep filling up the, uh, the one gallon sack on top and it gravity just pulls it through the filter. So you don't have to pump it. So that, that sort of a, uh, a filtration system, a gravity filtration or a purification system in this case is really, really good for larger groups. That way you can, uh, you basically turn on the spigot and the water comes out and it's, it's already been, uh, it's running through the filter as, as you open the spigot up. Another thing to mention, Craig, for folks that don't carry like 89 bottles of water from Walmart like you do in their truck and they have to purify some water as they go, it's not a bad idea to carry a, a five-gallon plastic jug. You can even get these uh, four or five-gallon, I've got a couple of these, these uh, ones that are that fold up and then... Uh, you fill them up and, and they take up the regular space opposed to taking up all that space with a five gallon jug in the back of your, your uh, Subaru or your truck or whatever. But, but yeah, man, this is, it's good. How about, how about food stuff, calories and energy at this level, man, day, the reason I brought up Daytrex meals in that last podcast is because I think it's a short termer. Uh, I've just had a lot of people that we have supplied those to, and they're like, okay, I'm sick of these after a week. And so the, the beauty of, of uh, MREs is that they provide all these different options for you that you can get in on. And again, we had Bob from MRE Nation on there, and he offered everybody listening to us right now a, a discount code UST15 for 15% off at MRE Nation. So I think that's right. So if you get that and then it doesn't work, then let us know. We'll, we'll check in with Bob and all that good stuff. But, um, man, you don't have to, you don't have to carry all of it. You can get, you can get MREs and take out the pieces and parts that you think will help sustain you in a long-term event and have them ready for you. So you don't have to duplicate some of that packaging, but man, the variety adds to the morale. Cause most of us really do have some sort of morale boost from, from eating and uh, we should be in control of it uh, for sure. But it sure does add some value to your morale when you have a little different mixture and it's not just about caloric intake for the sake of staying alive, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I just texted Bob. He said UST15 at checkout on MRENation.com is the code. So people can get, and he said that's the best code. That's the best code we've ever given. So. Uh, you all, if you don't have MREs as kind of like a first tier uh, prepper, you know, get you through a couple of weeks or a, a travel, it's hard to beat MREs. And, it's, and and like you said, not only if you haven't heard that podcast, you just have to go back and we, I think we had Bob on twice and 
uh, he is a he is an innovator in the MRE space, no doubt. Like he's all about making the best, most healthy stuff he can and making it taste good. Yeah, he's he's good at what he does. He amazed me. I'm just telling you, talking to that cat, he just amazed me at his knowledge base. Dude is special, man. <laughs> Straight up special dude. And we also have, uh, there's also, I, I do carry, especially for uh, extended camping trips, if I want to reduce volume and reduce weight, I, I don't want to discount some of the dried meals. There's some various different brands out there that that you basically boil water, add it, and you've got yourself a nice meal. So again, that's a it's a weight and space thing. MREs will it's a complete meal, but Bob would even tell you himself that uh, especially if you're in a, a longer term situation, you want to have. Uh, you want to have food supplies beyond MREs. In this particular case, this is we're really just talking about what, Craig? Maybe maybe you've you're in a situation where you're you may be a couple of weeks from getting home. Yeah. And that's what we're yeah. talking about. We're not talking about yeah. a never go home sort of scenario, you all. We're talking about a couple of weeks here. That's all good stuff. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what's next, man? Well, I did. One of the things that we did not take the time to talk about in the last podcast, which I think we should take some time to do that now, is to talk about how in the world we're going to carry all this stuff. So one of the things I wanted to recommend to everybody on packs is just get a good pack. Here's here's something. I've learned a lot about packs. Man, I learned a ton about packs writing the book, uh, Ultimate Wilderness Gear. And the first being is that you've got to get a pack that has a waist belt on it because you want this, your your core of your body to be carrying the brunt of the weight. You definitely don't want your shoulders. And the other one that, man, and just a lot in the backpacking and hiking communities do not get this, is they, people are just so opposed to sweat and that it is a negative thing. But sweat is just a natural way that our body cools itself down okay and they put a pack on their back where they have these i call them little trampolines on their back where the pack actually extends about two or three inches away from their spine and there's this soft uh you know like mesh area between you and the pack that absolutely destroys your center of gravity and you can't i mean From a survival perspective, you may need to defend yourself. You may need to move around. You want a pack that's going to be up against your spine. 
So like the packs that I typically carry are Hill People Gear. You can find other manufacturers. Everly Stock is another manufacturer. And that they're going to make packs that put the pack right up against your back. And that way you can maneuver around. Like I taught a class, a combatives course on fighting in your pack and your kit. Everything that you carried, can you fight in it? And, you know, we had prepper weirdo freaks that come into class and have this big old pack and I would just push them down. <laughs> and I mean, they're just like a turtle on their back. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. And they learned a very valuable lesson because I'm going to thump them. That's, that's when I'm on top of them yelling at them like a drill sergeant going, you just died. Can you carry your stuff and can you fight? And if you can't, can you get that sucker off your back fast enough to fight? You better be able to get that stuff off of you. If it takes a long time for you to get that pack off of your back, in an urban situation where you might have aggressors or even in a rural situation, then you're going to be a hurting unit, dude. You're going to be a hurting unit. You need to be able to get off, get that stuff off of you or be able to fight in it. Yeah. That just went dark. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, It's really important stuff to consider because we don't, right? Uh, when we when we think about these particular situations, a bug out or anything beyond a bug out, and we think about a pack or a carrying system, it's, dude, I there's so many videos that are on YouTube where people show you these packs that are 40, 50, 60, 80, 90 pounds. And like, it's just unrealistic. Uh, I, I just think you brought up a really good point. As a general rule, and this is this is just hikers and campers where this data comes from, but on average, if you're going to do any extensive travel with your gear on your back, you're really you're really on the outer edge if you're in excellent condition carrying 15% of your body weight. Now, you can do that for a couple of miles, but if you're you're in a situation where you've got to cover 15, 20 miles a day, it it becomes another, an entirely different story. And just to make the simple conversion, that means if you're carrying a hundred pounds or I'm sorry, if you're a hundred pounds in weight and you're in pretty good shape that you're talking about 15 pounds, including your pack and water, 200 pounds, 30, 200 pounds weight, 30 pounds of gear. And, you know, we're, we're not talking about special forces guys that, that specifically train for all this, but um, you just really need to consider. And and I know that's one of the reasons that, that you challenge people with their gear. It, it sounds like 20 pounds isn't a lot, but if you add another 10 pounds on that, that's, that's about the maximum capacity that people are going to carry for any extended time, especially in and hills like you have down in Kentucky, dude. Yeah, man, it ain't going to happen. I mean, it's just, and that's why I'm a big fan of just encouraging people to dig deep into learning how to shelter in place, which is another topic I wanted to bring up when, as far as how to carry gear. A lot of what we've talked about is you carry it in your car, and I've said multiple times, and David has backed me up on it and said it as well himself, is that if you have an opportunity that you think that search and rescue, there's any chance that search and rescue is going to come find you, then stay with the vehicle. Don't self-rescue. 
if you go off the side of the road and, and you're not in a situation where you think the car is going to be in more danger, and you're going to fall off a cliff or something, some craziness, then stay with the car. Get up to the road and mark your position somewhere on the road. If there's a snow bank on and mark it with, you know, orange flagging or a bandana or something, but go back to the car and stay with it. Don't try to go out and self-rescue unless, and this is where the next thing I wanted to talk about comes into play. Unless you recognize that in your imminent danger of your needs not being met, for example, you're, you are two days uh, without water. You've got to find water. You've got to know where to, you've got to be able to utilize land nav skills to go find some water and then come back to the car. Uh, you know, it, those, those types of things are things that you're going to have to be able to say on your way on a trip. Hey, I know where I'm going and I have this water source off to my South. And I know if I have a need for an emergency water source, I can go to that area and get water. That Does all that make sense? It does totally makes sense. Yeah. I mean, basically stay, and, and that's that's just a basic being found principle that we cover in the guide, and and it's just common. I I probably originally heard it from you. It's just stay put, stay where you're at. If anybody's looking for you, um, you are you could potentially accidentally avoid being found by moving yourself around. Absolutely. I mean, it's. I'll say it again. I know I said it in the last podcast, but man, it's just heartbreaking to read these stories where people go off the side of the road and somebody leaves to get help and they end up dying and the people who stay with the car lived. And that just, that's happened. That's that situation has happened so many times. I can't even count it on my two hands that I've just read about just researching, writing books and blogs and doing podcasting. It just, it happens over and over and over again. And it's just, I just want to emphasize You've got you've to stay with the car. In the midst of the stress of it all, it seems like the best solution. You want to do something, and you are doing something. You're protecting yourself in a shelter, which mm-hmm. is the car. So develop that mindset, and you'll be okay. If you need to do something, make sure that you have a tiny survival guide in your wallet and read it. That will help you. That could help you if you're not in imminent danger more than anything, just settling yourself down and... Uh, trying to think through your situation. Let me just get back real quick, Craig, to uh, carry systems. I agree with you 100%. You need to have a, a comfortable belt on your pack. I agree with you with the uh, um, internal frame type packs that form fit to your body. Another thing I would add is a sternum strap. That helps incredibly as far as the pressure on your shoulders and, and uh, your trapezoids and your deltoids and uh, your lower back. Also, another possibility is a duffel bag. Uh, when I travel in the car, I often will carry a duffel bag. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, one is I've got a big condor duffel that's super reinforced. It also has a shoulder strap on it. And I can carry everything in the kitchen sink and electronics in it. And if I need or think I, I want to carry any firearms, they fit in there. Uh, that's a that's a really good system. Now, I'm not going to get up and uh, run or fight with that for sure, but uh, it can carry a lot of stuff and, and keep it all in a compact area. A couple of lesser, maybe lesser expensive pack systems that I use. I really like the Maxpedition line. 
I know Tim Tang. Uh, he's become a personal friend over the last couple of years because at Chat Show they let us use their booth for uh, for videos. And I think it was last year Tim and I went through how to pick a backpack. And uh, I, I just want to tell you, he's probably uh, Hill People Gear. I know they're the same way. Uh, Everly Stock are, are are in that same category of innovate innovators in the personal carry uh, backpack uh, space, whether it's tactical or, or uh, military or, or just personal carry. And uh, so Maxpedition makes some really good stuff. Uh, right now, my my uh, pack that I have my everyday carrier almost always carry gear in is actually a Condor Outdoor pack. I think it's the Urban Go Bag is what they call it. And it just has a lot of pockets and it's been working for me for a while. So there you have it. That's all I've nice. got to say about what, this. What's the name of it again? Oh, this pack? Uh, this is the Condor yeah. Urban Go Bag. I think that's, I'm not looking at Amazon or anything, but I think that, I think it runs around 65 or 70 bucks, Maxpedition packs. Uh, they are, they are innovating into what you're going to see coming out in, in a lot of knockoff packs. Uh, they're probably, they're probably, dude, Tim is like, he's the owner and the designer, and he's probably four or five years ahead of the curve in their pack systems. But yeah, this is the Condor uh, Urban Go Bag. Good stuff, uh, affordable. So between them and Maxpedition, if you're not going to drop three or $400 on a on a bug out bag or a, a, a what did you call this? The uh, sustainable, sustainable system carry, sustainment carry. carry. Mm-hmm. Uh, good place to look would be Condor or Maxpedition. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Where? Hey, one other subject yeah, that we, we, we started to dig into last time, but we didn't get into it because we ran out of time. We got a little extra time. Let's go ahead and jump into some communication okay, cool. things mm-hmm. that works yeah, for sure. you. One of the things that I love to, and a lot of people have these already, but a crank radio that has a light, sometimes they have chargers on them. You can get AM and FM radio, NOAA weather, so of that nature. Uh, that way you don't have to have any dependency upon this inform- the information that you can get from something like that from batteries. You just crank it up. You can crank it up and charge your cell phone. It takes a lot of cranks to be able to do that, but that might be the difference between you being able to get that cell phone going and make that call you need to make and you not being able to make that call. Uh, Two-way radio. Uh, I'm an even bigger fan of a ham radio system. If you're not familiar with a ham system, uh, you have to take a a licensing test, which is not very hard at all. Uh, I used an app on my phone to study. Few uh, a few minutes a day every day for a few weeks, and then took the test and passed with no problems. And now I'm a ham radio operator. So uh, with a ham radio, what you can do is you can access towers that some municipalities, some um, some individuals will put up their own towers. You can access the ability to utilize your radio to go a lot farther than you could go anywhere in any way else that you possibly could. So I'm a big fan of ham radios. And and um, one other communication source is just a signaling device, and and uh, we've utilized this in tactical survival, but it's not a bad idea. If, you, if you've got a search and rescue team that's looking for you, and what I'm saying is a very high-speed 
search and rescue team, like you know that there's aircraft in the air that might be looking for you at night, then an IR, infrared light source. Uh, so basically you can shine that when you think that helicopter's over top of you. And I'm, that's a remote possibility. I'm going to make that really clear. That's a really remote. Most search and rescue teams will abandon at night anyway. But if that were to happen, you could shine that light, then uh, then your position might be uh, more easily seen. And basically the way you do that is you create a funnel. Draw a funnel around the aircraft, and that funnel comes down to you. And that gives the pilot the idea that, hey, there's something down there. And so uh, that that's helped. I've actually utilized that in training with the DEA. And uh, those that might be using MVGs or some of that nature will be able to pick up on you pretty quickly like that. That's some basics nice. and some ad- advanced Night vision things. goggles. Yeah, night vision goggles for, for those that may not be familiar with MVGs. Yeah, so infrared light source. I don't have one of those, Craig. That's going on the list. Um, general cost and and are there any specifications Man, me, of people? They're basically like a, a pen, like a flashlight type d- device, yeah, right? But just let me look this up. Yeah, so let me go back real quick to a couple of things that you had mentioned. I agree with you 100% on the uh, crank radios. They're really handy. And since Sportsman's Guide is a sponsor, they do have them. Uh, I'm going to say they probably have a Voyager brand or like a Kato brand. And they have a little solar panel on them. They've got all the bells and whistles, the crank. You can hook up your cell phone like Craig discussed. Uh, light. Very nice. It's a good good unit. I've got Scorpion 2. They're probably on a Scorpion 3 by now, but it's got a uh, it's got a solar panel on it. It's got a really nice sized, pretty heavy duty hand crank flashlight. But this is a smaller, more uh, fits in your hand pretty good. I totally agree with you, Craig, on on the uh, ham radio, amateur radio stuff. A nice starter brand to pick up is the Baofeng. It's a lot of information about them online and on YouTube. Uh, get the best one that you can afford. And there's a lot. Someday I'm going to do a, a video on on communication because I've got a pretty, pretty uh, nifty kit with a special antenna that I can run up a tree and reach pretty far with my Baofeng. So there's some extra antennas, some some tips and tricks and hacks that you can use to extend the range. And you're right, Craig, there's, uh, there's even... Uh, independent of uh, just individuals and uh, uh, local governments. Like in our area, there's there are uh, the amateur radio clubs, and they actually own the property, uh, own the tower, and maintain it. And uh, another thing too, just this is this is maybe a, a little disaster preparation tip, and that is make yourself valuable extra valuable to first responders if there's any way to do that. So gain a skill. And ham radio is one of those skills that you can. Uh, There's various events in our area where you get to practice your skills. And if there's a disaster, and let's just say, uh, and it's a plausible thing to think about, the internet goes down and our communication systems go down. The The first people that are called on, and they're actually part of our our county 
a disaster preparation plan is they've got a whole facility, high tech facility set up in the 911 call center that is ready to go for the ham operators. They can come in and within an hour establish communication uh, to almost anywhere using using their devices independent of of any of the high tech devices or satellites or internet that we're so dependent on today. So that's a good skill to learn and get in get in with the club. Yeah. Yeah, man. So that's what I got on those. Yeah, I'm part of a club. Two things that two things that jump out here uh before I forget it. That light that I was referring to earlier is the stream light side winder. That's what I have in my kit bag. Goes with me. Yeah, it basically has a red, blue, and green light as well as an infrared setting as well. That's what goes with me. I've used that with great success. Um, the Let me give everybody just one recent time where ham radio operators basically saved hundreds of lives, and that is the fires that happened in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park in 2016. There were a lot of roads that were just covered with fire, and the only way they could communicate because um, – Cell phones were down, landlines were down, was ham radios got to work. And they started putting together their their usefulness and were able to direct first responders into areas. And some of these people were first responders that were utilizing ham radio systems, like David described. Our community has one like that, too. Others were just private people that had ham radios up in those cabins down in in the Smoky Mountains. And they saved lives, uh, all kinds of lives. Um, so, um, sometimes we think about that and somebody goes, I don't think I really need a radio. Well, that's a case where, you know, that's not just hocus pocus, um, tenfold hat wearing bull crap, um, you know, that Alex Jones is talking about. We're talking about real things that have happened where ham radios saved lives. It's, it's a good thing to have. It's yeah, it's a vital part of our, uh, of the local regional and there's, I, I'm pretty sure Kentucky has it too. You can even get involved in the state. So the state's always, always looking for uh, ham radio operators and, and they're willing a lot of, man, the clubs, they're just, they're just hungry for new blood to come in and to train them, train folks in what they know. Uh, let me throw a couple other things out here. I carry uh, Midland. I don't want to dismiss this, Craig, for shorter range communication or when if you're like if you're out in the Midwest, you might be able to reach out 15 miles or so with a really good uh, GMRS two-way radio like the Midland uh, GXT series that I use. And they're just fantastic radios. Fantastic. I don't know what you use there, Craig, but I've just found these to be more reliable than than anything else that I've had uh, just because they're just well designed. I, I bought some radios in a pinch for one of our trainings at Walmart and I won't mention the brand, but they were terrible. They were absolutely terrible. And, um, I quickly returned them, but, uh, also I want to mention on these Balfang type, uh, radios that we're talking about here, Craig, you can actually program those to speak, uh, you basically just program the frequency in that goes with these uh, GMRS two-way radios like the Midland, and they can they can work uh, side by side and communicate with those. That's how mine are set up. I started out when I started out in ham. I used a Balfang. Now I got a little bit more of an upgrade because I use it more often. And yeah. um, but that's exactly what I've got set up. And Tracy, 
thank goodness Tracy Trimble's around because he helped me program the thing. It's a little bit above my pay grade figuring that out. But uh, mm-hmm. but the reason I bring that up is that ham radio operators are always more than willing to help other ham radio operators out. And so, like my little local yes, club, we get oh, yeah. they they have a like every Thursday night, people get on there and say, "Hey, I'm here. What's going on? How you doing? That kind of stuff." And everybody just chats and says, "Hey, I picked up this, or I picked up this antenna, or something." And everybody grows and learns from one another there. And uh, yep. we have a monthly yeah, here meetup. It's Tuesday where, nights. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good stuff, man. Uh, I think it's it's a. Uh, it's it's hey without a doubt I'm just being very frank it's a nerdy group typically but they're just incredibly helpful nerds <laughs> I mean it's just good people mm-hmm. man yeah just really typically solid uh, salt of the earth type people so uh, yeah yeah good good thing to do and if you're not going to do it find a friend who's who's a ham radio operator they will be very valuable and there's there's different levels obviously there's there's a uh, higher certifications and you get more, more, uh, uh, bands that you're allowed to operate on with, uh, amateur radio. And, uh, next on my list, I've got a Yesu radio. That's, that's one of those five to 10 watt radios for, uh, potentially very portable and long range communication that I'm working up to Craig. Uh, another thing I think would be remiss if that's we what, didn't mention. That's what I have now. Oh, do you? Okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. They're good radios. They are. Uh, I think we really need to mention here too, since we're talking about electronics, uh, the hand crank weather radios are one thing, but if you're going to be using any sort of uh, communication device, even your cell phone, you're going to want to have some battery bricks, maybe potentially a uh, solar p- panel. I know we've mentioned Anchor Brand before. Uh, yeah, it's it's. I've got a Jackery. I think it's the uh, 500, 500 watt uh, power generator, and I've got the 100 watt panel. So theoretically, in five to seven hours, I could recharge that thing, and it's great. It can run my coffee maker in a pinch, Craig. No joke. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what's that's really important. important. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, man, I, I actually, I, of course, we can boil water. I've actually got uh, filtration kits that, um, and a, a little silicon fo- filter that just folds up, so I don't have to use the power, but I have just to see if it would work. But yeah, you want to have portable power. That was something that Creek mentioned to us in one of the one of the things that he found in almost every disaster situation is uh, when people have to take refuge, their cell phones run out, and there's no way for them to power them. So you want to be thinking about that. One other thing, Craig, that's ridiculously simple, and I think we mentioned it briefly in the last podcast, is having some sort of a loud everyday carry whistle with you. Again, we're back to everyday carry, but it is a communication tool. And um, gosh, I think I, I just heard a story where somebody's life was saved because they had a because they had a whistle like that. Anything else on communication, man? No, and that's a good point. Thanks for bringing up the whistle. I'm the usually usually the one that does that, and uh, I forgot it this time. That's good stuff, really good stuff. Well, I'm going to admit, Craig, that I'm cheating. I'm looking at kit.co, 
forward slash ultimate survival tips where uh, you and I have talked and put together some some different kits over there. That's at kit.co forward slash ultimate survival tips if people want to look at what I'm looking at right now, which reminded me of the whistles. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. That's good. Cool, man. No, so I'm looking at the time. I'm looking at the time. We're, we Is are it, at, man? Ooh, almost, almost an hour. So I think that's good. Let's call it good on, on tier three here. Maybe you want to do a recap, maybe one or two action steps for folks yeah. there. I just threw a curveball in it. That is not in our notes. Once you do that and take us out. That's fine. I, I, I can knock, I can knock a curveball out of the park every day, son. Sit back and relax. So yeah, go back and listen to the last two podcasts that David and I did together. We did one on EDC. We did one on tier one. That was one that's uh, the one previous to the one you're listening to right now. And one of the things I would really recommend you do is start building your kits up from that EDC. Start thinking about what you've got in your pockets. That would be the first thing. How does that match up to what David and I carry? David and I carry different things. Uh, Neither David and I are the end all to beat all either. Uh, You need to develop what you carry based upon what, what your life is going on. What is going on in your life right now? You might have a different type of job than I have. You might have uh, babies in the house. I don't have babies in the house anymore. You've got to have a totally different kit. And then once you develop that EDC, then develop that tier two, then develop the tier three, do that as soon as possible. And that way you can just lay it out. Now, one reference point, if you do not, do not already have them is pick up a tiny survival guide that has all the fantastic checklists and everything. I mean, if you, if you've been listening to podcasts and go, man, this has been a lot of information. It is a lot of information. So pick up the tiny survival guide and that way you can reference all those checklists right there. And I think that's, that's a, that's a good way to end it, my friend. How about we head out? So guys and gal, there's several different ways that you can support the podcast, which we just, Hey, listen up. Can't do it without you. Can't do it without your support. There's some free ways to do that. You can subscribe to the podcast now. Please do that. Matter of fact, don't please do it. Just go do it. Just do it. Just go out there and do it right now. Subscribe. Thank you for that. Appreciate you. Also, uh, give us a five-star review wherever you have the ability to do that. Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us. And don't forget about our friends over at the Sportsman's Guide. They are one of our sponsors. They are one of the companies that make this show happen. We're very thankful for them. And appreciate them. So go over Sportsman's Guide, see what you can find there. Anything you're looking for, you're going to be able to find it outdoors related. It's just there. And there's so much stuff. As I mentioned earlier, it's on clearance for the winter months. So I think that's it. Click the links in the description below for other sponsors and other opportunities to support the show. I think that's it. Thanks for listening. We'll hear and see you next time on the Survival Show podcast. Keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp.